Hello everyone, welcome to our teaching time today. My name is Andrew Bowles, I'm the Senior Minister of St Mark's. And we're going to be starting a new series today, as you've heard, thinking about the topic which we've called uh, The Hidden Kingdom. And we're going to be spending the next few weeks looking at just one chapter of the Bible in the Gospel of Matthew uh, in chapter 13. And this is a passage where Jesus speaks particularly about the topic of the Kingdom of Heaven, or what we call the Kingdom of God, and he uses a number of parables and images to explain to his followers what this is all about. And so we're going to be following along with that uh, chapter as he goes through these different parables there. The reason why we decided to look at this particular topic now is it follows on from a topic we've just been looking at in previous term, uh, the topic of renewal and how God's at work in the world to renew it. And we wanted to spend some time thinking more in depth about how it is we can see God at work in the world and what does it mean for God to be working in the world around us, particularly when we're in a situation as we are, when the external circumstances in the season that we're in can seem uh, quite overwhelming and difficult to understand and perhaps to discern where God's at work. And I believe this topic helps us to understand uh, how we can get to that point where we see the way that God's working and continues to work around us uh, right at this very moment. So. We're going to be thinking about the kingdom of God and we need to understand then perhaps what this topic is because if we're talking about what Jesus taught about renewal, the kingdom of God is actually right at the centre of that topic. Uh, If you read the Gospels of Jesus and you hear about what he taught to his friends and his followers, the kingdom of God is actually the key idea in Jesus' teaching more than almost any other thing that he talked about. He talked about the kingdom of God and what that meant. And that can be a bit surprising because often the way we understand Jesus or the gospel hasn't necessarily included a description or discussion of the kingdom of God and what it means. But it is actually at the heart of what Jesus teaches. So it's really helpful for us to understand what he's saying if we're thinking about what it means uh, to live out our lives as Christians in the world. Just as a side note as we begin, you'll notice I've been talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven when he reports what Jesus said here. Um, Just as a side note, in ancient Jewish culture, people sometimes didn't like to use the name of God. and They used heaven as a way of uh, saying that without saying God. So when, when, when when it says the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, it's the same thing as what we call the kingdom of God, which is the phrase that I prefer to use. So we're going to be using that as we look at this topic. So if we're thinking about the kingdom of God, but first let's think, well, what is it? As we look at these parables, what is it that Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is a very uh, rich topic in the Gospels. It's a many-faceted idea, and there are lots of different ways that the kingdom of God can be understood because it's really at the heart of everything Jesus is saying. But I think basically, if we want to get down to the heart of it, the kingdom of God is really a way of saying that there is a reality of the presence of God in the heart and alongside every human life, every human community, and the entire world that God's made. So the kingdom of God is saying that God's presence can be seen everywhere. And so there is a spiritual dimension all around us that permeates all aspects of our lives and the world, which is God's presence, uh, fulfilling his purposes to create, to transform, to heal, and to liberate the world and to make it what it's supposed to be. And so I believe that's what is the basic reality that we are describing when Jesus used the term the kingdom of God. And 
as we'll see as we go throughout this series, this term then has a lot of practical implications for Christians. But the heart of it is that in the middle of our lives, God is present. As Jesus said, we read in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, it says, Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or There it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is already here. The kingdom of God is God's presence, and of course, Jesus says, I am the presence of God in your midst. So just to be be clear, when we talk about the kingdom of God, there's a few things we're not saying. We're not talking about the kingdom of God as a place somewhere up there, perhaps a heavenly realm a long way away from our world where God lives. That's not what the kingdom of God means when Jesus talks about it. It's also not talking about what we think of when we talk about a kingdom in our world, a political kingdom based on military power or economic power, an empire or a nation. Jesus specifically denied that this is what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. So when he was uh, brought in front of Pontius Pilate just before he was sent to die, in John chapter 18, for instance, verse 36 to 37, Jesus said to Pilate, my followers are not going to fight for me as after I've been arrested, because my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is not a worldly, earthly kingdom that can be fought for and can be seen through political means. So really, the kingdom of God actually is not far away or close. It's actually heaven and earth being brought together. So the presence of God being seen in our world. So it's actually that reality of what happens when God's presence intersects with our lives to change things into the way that he wants them to be. The the great image for the kingdom of God in the Old Testament, I believe we can find if we look at the temple of Solomon that the people of Israel used to worship God. Right at the centre of the temple was this very small room called the Holy of Holies, which was the place where the priests of God would go to encounter God's presence and to make sacrifices. And we'll see more a bit about that when we talk about Isaiah in a minute. But the picture for Israel of the Holy of Holies was this idea that in the middle of our nation, in the middle of our people and our community, is the presence of God in our midst. God is actually present with us and his presence protects us, heals us, forgives us and gives us new life. And so this is image then of what the kingdom of God means. And Jesus, though, came to say that picture is now being extended. The kingdom of God is actually not just in one place. It's actually everywhere. The kingdom of God is in me, Jesus says. God has come to your world in a new way. And the kingdom of God is actually in you if we, when the presence of God enters into our lives as well through Jesus. And the result of the kingdom of God coming into our world in a new way, as Jesus says, is that you will see tangible results. Lives will be changed and so will our communities as God works in us. So when Jesus began his ministry, when he first started in his teaching, we can see in Luke chapter 4, he gave a sermon where he explained what was going to happen as God was coming through him. So in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. All of these things are going to happen 
because the spirit of the Lord is, is on him because the kingdom of God is coming. And so I believe this is the kingdom that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 13 with these parables of the kingdom. And so he begins by talking about the parable of the sower, which we just read this morning. But before we look particularly at that parable, let's just think briefly about parables, why Jesus used them and what they're supposed to mean for the people who hear them. And this is important because Jesus himself in this passage takes time to tell his disciples why he decided to use parables. Uh, Parables, as you're probably aware, are a short story, usually simple story, that is meant to communicate deeper truth underneath it spiritual truth, some aspect of God's character or purposes, but done in the, in the shape of a story that um, is on the surface level quite easy to understand. And Jesus used a lot of parables. We see as we read the Gospels, it was one of the main ways that he decided to teach people. And if you think about why he decided to do that, what's commonly said, people will say, is, well, Jesus taught through parables because that's a way of communicating ideas in a clear and easy-to-understand way, particularly to people who might not be particularly well-educated, who might not understand complicated ideas or abstract uh, thought. Uh, Younger people, children, everyone can understand the story and get the meaning behind it. And that's certainly true for a lot of, I think, what Jesus said when he used parables. But he also speaks here that the parables, in some instances, and particularly these parables of the kingdom, had a different meaning as well. Not They weren't just intended to help people understand, but actually to unveil and to show the spiritual condition of the people that he was speaking to. So he actually says that the reason he's speaking in parables like this, the parable of the sower, is because this is the only way he can speak to people who cannot and will not understand or accept the teaching he has given them about the kingdom of God. So in verse 13, he says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In that passage, Jesus is actually quoting from an Old Testament book called Isaiah. If you go to Isaiah chapter 6, you can see that. And in that book, Isaiah, who was a priest in the temple, had a vision of God, and God told him to go and speak to his people and to call them back to him, to repent, to change their behaviour. But God says to him, they will not understand, they will not hear. And so you will say these words, but they won't understand what you're saying. And so Jesus is saying, the people that I'm speaking to in my own time are like those people in Isaiah's day. You can talk to them about the kingdom, but they will not understand, they will not hear. And so the parables are a way of speaking to those people who don't understand. And it shows that they don't understand, even though they can see and hear what Jesus has to say. It's clear that Jesus had some more straightforward uh, and what we would think of as more complicated teaching about the kingdom of God that he gave to the disciples. For instance, he says to them in verse 11, because you know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, because you are open to it, I can speak clearly to you. But to those who can't understand, I need to speak in parables. And so the parable that Jesus speaks is sort of like a hidden form of teaching about the kingdom. And for those who do have ears to hear, they'll be able to understand what he's saying. But for those who don't, it will just be a story that they don't understand and which can't change their life. 
the actual open teaching that Jesus probably gave to his disciples about the kingdom of God and about how God was going to work through him, we don't actually find a lot of that in the Gospels. If we go to parts of the New Testament, more like the letters of the Apostle Paul or the letter to the Hebrews, I think we hear the sort of things that Jesus was telling his disciples in private. But in public, when he taught people, he often used these parables because it showed whether or not they were willing to listen and to come deeper into the kingdom of God. So today we're thinking about the parable of the sower, which is the first in this series. Now, I think the question that the parable of the sower is addressing is, how do people respond to the kingdom of God and to hearing about it and to being confronted with the fact that God's kingdom is present in our midst? And Jesus says, well, we can understand it as though the message of the kingdom of God is like seed that a sower casts into a field to try to grow his harvest. And this seed comes to different uh, fortunes. There are different outcomes that happen as a result of that. And this is something that, as we read it, we can see that Jesus is actually speaking to us and testing us to see how we are going to respond. So Jesus says there are four possibilities of what will happen when someone hears the word of God, he understands that the kingdom of God is real and the demands it makes on our life. So there are four possibilities, he says. Um, Three of them are negative and one of them is a positive outcome. So firstly, he says the kingdom, this can be like, seed that um, is thrown onto a path where it's quickly eaten by birds and never actually does anything. And he says to the disciples, really, that this is a picture of people who are so lightly impacted or touched by the kingdom of God in its presence that it's as though they it never touches them at all. It doesn't penetrate into their life at all, and it's quickly taken away by the evil one. They're oblivious. It's as though they've never heard about it at all. The second group are those, he says, are who are like seed that falls in shallow ground, ground that doesn't have a good place where roots can grow down. Uh, so it quickly withers and dies when the sun comes out. And he says these are people who are perhaps those who are like who are grabbed by God's message, who find the kingdom of God interesting or who are taken interest. But it's only a little interest. It's only something that goes in just below the surface of their lives. And so when life gets the slightest bit hard or it's the slightest bit difficult to go on, it withers. The kingdom of God doesn't take root and grow in their lives. The third type are the seed that falls in an area where it grows, but then it gets choked out by thorns and other weeds. And so, as he says to the disciples, these are people who accept the kingdom of God and perhaps show some signs of their lives being changed and they're getting in line with what's happening. But the kingdom is perhaps a bit intangible for them. It's not visible. It's hard to see. And when confronted with the everyday cares of life or the challenges and needs of getting by in the world, those things grow up and sort of choke out the life of God's kingdom in them. And so they're deeper than the others, but they still struggle to overcome and to grow a fruit of the kingdom in their lives. And lastly, of course, he talks about the seed that falls on good soil. This is like a plant that grows, flowers, and produces its own seed in turn. And so these are people, he says, for whom the kingdom of God takes root in their life when they hear about it. It, Its effects are obvious and long-lasting, Their life with God grows and develops to the point where they themselves 
can be the producers of seeds and multiply God's work in others around them. So this is the four ways that people, he says, can respond to the kingdom of God. The people who he's speaking to, the parable, hopefully they will hear, but their hearts are hard and they may not. But he says to the disciples, this is how you can see the kingdom working in people's lives. And so it's important that this particular parable, which starts the parables of the kingdom, is about giving us a sense of how people are going to respond to the kingdom. It's not necessarily about whether people understand what Jesus is saying or understand what the good news is, but it's about how we receive it. How do we respond to it and whether it actually makes a difference to us? And Jesus says, without an openness to it, without our hearts being good soil for the kingdom of God to grow, uh, we don't see that growth. The kingdom remains hidden from us, even though it's all around us. So in verse 15, for instance, he says, these people aren't going to hear. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. So he says a closed heart, a calloused heart, literally cannot experience the presence of God in his kingdom, even though it is all around them. And so the question for us is, what does this say about us who hear this parable? What does it say about our own hearts as we respond and hear the kingdom of God being spoken about? So the application, I think, for us in summary is that as we open this series on the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying to us, you know, God is always at work. God is at work around us. God is at work in us. God is at work through us. The kingdom of God is very real, even though it's not uh, seen by our visible eyes. We can see its impact. And so this presence of God uh, is the kingdom of God. And this is the renewal that Jesus will bring, that this kingdom is going to be seen, is going to spread throughout the world and become more and more visible in more and more lives and in more and more communities. And we are called to be participants in this kingdom and to welcome it into our lives and to cooperate with what God's doing. The kingdom of God is unseen, but it is very real. It may not be felt, but it is powerful. And it changes and transforms those who allow it in. And in the end, the kingdom of God will be seen by everyone. And this will be the reality that we experience, God's glory and God's presence throughout the entire world. But now, in this time, it is possible for us to shut ourselves off to the kingdom and to miss it and to behave as though it isn't real. And the key factor in whether we're going to do that, Jesus says here, is the openness of our heart to God's work, the condition of the soil in which the kingdom of God is planted. And our heart is that soil. And so the question, of course, for us is what kind of soil do we provide for God's work? And the response that we have to this parable and to the upcoming parables that we hear about the kingdom might help us to understand more the kind of soil that we are. Do we find ourselves uninterested in the kingdom of God, uninterested in what God's doing, and preferring to pretend that it isn't real at all? Are we perhaps a bit open to this, interested, but easily discouraged when things get a bit difficult by the obstacles that might come in our way? Are we very interested, perhaps, but is life overwhelming? And are we struggling with the challenges and distractions of the rest of our lives, which make it really hard to pay attention to what God's doing around us? 
or are we open and willing? And is God's uh, kingdom growing and being seen in our lives in a clear way? Whatever soil we are and whatever state we're in, I think we're encouraged now to ask God to free up the soil, to turn it over and to prepare it for his seeds and in the kingdom to come. And I invite you to pray for that as we start the season together.